Hey, it's Anita, and this is Bitcoin and Co. Mastering Freedom. Hello, girls and boys, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to episode 76 of the Bitcoin and Co. podcast. Today I'm talking with Liam Ball, a real estate broker on Maui, who tells us his story of how he got into Bitcoin, why it is interesting to him, the parallels of Bitcoin to his personal journey and also my personal journey, his real-life use cases with Bitcoin and why Bitcoin is real. I hope you enjoy our conversation as much as I did. Before that, I have two announcements to make. First, I'm a member of the board of Bitcoin Austria, which is a non-profit organization for the advancement of the distribution of Bitcoin. As such, we are co-hosting the first global Bitcoin meetup together with Bitcoin Argentina, Bitcoin Saigon and the Greek cryptocurrency community. The event will take place this Saturday on the 19th of September 2020. It's an open online event, so everybody can join for free. There will be four talks. Every community will present one topic. These are the state of the Lightning Network, Bitcoin in Vietnam, Latin America as a Bitcoin usefulness test case, and spying on Bitcoin, anonymity in 2020. I will join, I hope you join too, at anita.link forward slash meetup. The second thing I want to tell you is that I decided to go and try new formats. I started a series called The Context. Maybe you have seen it already. In the last episode, it's episode number 75, I'm answering a user question about the different forms of, quote, Bitcoin, unquote. I will also present stories from the past and the present that stand in context with Bitcoin. After my Bitcoin in Zimbabwe series in spring, I will produce another six episodes with a focus on Bitcoin usage in Africa in autumn. I thank my sponsors CardWallet, LocalBitcoins and Shift Crypto for their continuing support. Without them, I couldn't do this. Still, as I want to produce more of this high-quality content and introduce more people to Bitcoin, I invite all of you, geeks, tinkerers and audiophiles, to visit anita.link forward slash p and support the show with a monthly subscription. For this, you can get bonus content that's not open to the public, early access to ad-free episodes, and access to my private Telegram group. Spend your filthy fiat and convert it into Bitcoin education. Of course, you can also donate Bitcoin or Lightning. If you cannot afford this or have other priorities, I understand. But you can also support the show. Write a recommendation on Apple Podcasts. You can do that even if you do not have an iPhone. Go to Apple Podcasts, search for Anita Posch, that's P-O-S-C-H, scroll down to Reviews, click on Write a Review, and write a few words. Thanks! Find out more about the possibilities to contribute at anita.link forward slash p. And now, a word from my sponsors, and then enjoy the conversation. 
Local Bitcoins is one of the most trusted and the largest peer-to-peer -peer Bitcoin trading platforms in the world. On Local Bitcoins, you can buy and sell your Bitcoin in an easy, fast and secure way, always protected by escrow. Unlike stock-like exchanges, Local Bitcoins allows you to trade with people like you, and you can choose any currency you prefer and find a safe payment method to complete your trade. Local Bitcoins also offers a web wallet, so you can trade and deposit and send out your Bitcoin all in one account. Go to www.localbitcoins.com to buy and sell Bitcoin. Shift Crypto and their Bitbox O2 hardware wallet. I've known the team behind the Bitbox O2 for some time now and I feel we share the same values. We believe in financial independence and that means holding your own keys. We care about making it easy for everyone to keep their Bitcoin safe. The Bitbox O2 is a Swiss-made hardware wallet. It makes it simple to store and use your coins. I especially like that they have a Bitcoin-only edition too, and I can use it directly with my phone. Check out the Bitbox O2 at shiftcrypto.ch. That's S-H-I-F-T-C-R-Y-P-T-O.ch. You'll get a 10% discount with the code ANITA in the checkout. Not your keys, not your coins. Is one of the basic rules in Bitcoin. Therefore, I definitely recommend using a hardware wallet, which is what most crypto experts use. For those who have difficulties with the technical requirements and constant maintenance of hardware wallets, there is the card wallet. The card wallet is a very simple and secure solution for long-term storage of Bitcoin and Ethereum. No software updates needed and it leaves no traces on the blockchain. You can give it away as a gift or inheritance. You can send Bitcoin to it and all you have to do is to store it in a safe place. The manufacturers are the Austrian State Printing House and Coinfinity, Austria's first Bitcoin broker founded in 2014. Order your card wallet at cardwallet.com forward slash Anita and get 20% off. And finally, a shout out to the Let's Talk Bitcoin Network where you can find other Bitcoin-related podcasts like Proof of Love, Bitcoin Audible, POV Crypto and more. Hello, Liam. Great to have you on the show. Anita, it's great to finally chat with you. Here we are, 12 hours apart. Yeah, the explanation is we met on Twitter talking about Bitcoin and... I'm in Austria, you're on Maui, exactly. and I mean, it's incredible to meet like that over a common topic, and here we are doing an interview. I, I love it. I'm so glad to hear your voice, and it's been so fun following you through Africa, and I have a silly little piece of trivia to start the show, <laughs> and that is, if you drill under my house, so Maui, Hawaii, if you drill under my house and can go through the planet, you come out in Botswana. Oh, wow. That's cool. <laughs> so I could have gone there when I was there directly to you, to your house. Exactly. Oh, exactly. actually, I would, I would love to do this. One day I'm going to visit you, I'm sure. Through the earth. Okay. Yeah, through the earth, of course. <laughs> so how did you end up on Maui? Because I guess you're not from Maui. 
Yes, I'm Canadian born, I suppose. Born in Toronto, lived in Montreal for a little bit. And I just had come to Maui like many people and just fallen in love with it. Maybe in, I think 1993 was the first time I came. And I just had been living a pretty boring Canadian life and I just decided I want a little more adventure. So I'm going to sell everything and move to Hawaii. And so I did 23 years ago. Okay, cool. Yeah. And my family thought I was nuts. They thought I would be back in six months, but it's 23 years later. So. (laughs) And you're going to stay there, I guess. Yes. Yes. But Maui is not very big. Yeah, it's population-wise, I think it's about 200,000 people. And then the big city, Honolulu, is on a different island. And then the biggest island is called Hawaii Island or Big Island. So, But it's a lot smaller than Toronto. Yeah, I came, I became a country boy. I think I was always a country boy. And how many Bitcoiners are there on Maui? <laughs> well, I have one Bitcoin friend, and she's such a trooper. She's a, a retired professor at the college here. And she doesn't love computers. And I'm like, come come on, you have to learn about this. You have to get some Bitcoin. You have to work your way to becoming a whole coiner. She's getting hip to all the lingo. But I don't think there are many, many people here. Bitcoiners are so freakish about their privacy and everything. I would probably Mm. never know. So, and what are you doing on Maui? How do you make a living? Well, I used to be a musician and I was a backup singer here for a while and then a tea farmer. And actually, tea is how I got turned on to Bitcoin, strangely enough. And now I'm a real estate broker, but my real love is architecture. I feel like in the ways that Bitcoin can solve a lot of problems, architecture can solve a lot of problems, too, in the way that people live. If you're going to build a house, imagine it, you know designing joy right into the space instead of box, 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 box. And I think it's an art form that people respond to. When they enter a really beautiful piece of architecture, they respond to it. They might not know why, but they are just kind of, wow, this space feels really good. And similarly, a very like depressing space. I see houses all the time and I walk into some houses and think, oh, get me out of here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, just these these dreary boxes. So Yeah, yeah. I, I understand. I've seen your website. I think it's called Modern on Maui. That's right. Yeah, and it's you have great post of architecture. I love that style that you're you're showing there. I was in Barcelona 25 years ago seeing the Frank Lloyd Wright uh, pavilion, water pavilion. Oh wow. And yeah, basically that's how I would love to live, but you know, <laughs> I got to wait. <laughs> yeah. No, I don't know. Yeah, so are you working self-employed or yes. for a company? Yeah. I work for Hawaii Life, which is a really cool local brokerage statewide. So it's on all the all the islands. But basically, I, I work by myself, for myself. Mm-hmm. And yeah, have you yeah. done that all the time? Yeah, actually, my whole life I've been self-employed. So I'm I'm spoiled. I love mm-hmm. I love it. And is is this uh, the reason for that uh, kind of a freedom you want to have, or why? I think it's more that I've had a bit of an entrepreneurial spirit, and I like. I love when someone tells me I can't do something, then I like to figure out a way to do it. (laughs) And I think that's how innovation happens, you know, just people finding better, easier ways to do things. There are many fulfilling careers and and jobs, but I tend to do things for seven years and then I get bored and I want to do something else. 
<laughs> so I'm just warning you, I've done real estate for about eight years, so I'm about ready to <laughs> do something else. I exactly know what you mean. I change my place where I live every four years, maximum four years. Sometimes yeah. it's one and a half year. <laughs> and also my career as a self-employed web designer, or we, we had online platforms, we had places where we sold designer goods and stuff. So yeah. Do you think that this kind of attitude to life in a way also leads one to Bitcoin? Is there a connection? Yeah, I definitely think so Bitcoin is, to me, it's just so bizarre and it's so strange and it's so fascinating. Once I sort of discovered it, I just couldn't stop tripping out on it, you know, like trying to figure out these, you know, these wallets and these seeds and this cryptography and the ownership of numbers. Because to me, it feels like it's essentially ownership of a limited group of numbers. It's agreed upon. So it's, it's like, let's all agree on this 21 million. And let's use this divided 21 million as our truth in money. And anyway, I'm kind of rambling. But yeah, I do feel like it's really creative in, in the way that it's kind of a brilliant invention. And it's such a necessary invention. So I don't know if it's because I'm a freedom seeker necessarily that I love Bitcoin, but it's definitely fascinating to me. And I've always been curious so I feel like I still have tons to learn. I think learning never stops with Bitcoin. Oh boy, yeah. I remember not understanding the seeds, the 24 words. I'm like, what? Who's like are they storing it on a on a on a server somewhere? What if, you know? I mean, it took me so long to figure out all the the deterministic stuff and and I, I mean, it's still a little foggy to me, but it's a lot clearer now. But I think um, you don't need to understand every little technicality to, to use it or to trust in it. Right. But it makes a difference to understand the basic technological concept and how people develop it and how it's decentralized. Yes. And I know there are very different levels of understanding. And when I talk to my friend Molly, who's the retired professor, she's extremely bright, but you know, she's, there, there's just different depths that we all go to in, in diving mm. into the understanding. And I just love geeking out on it. I think it's so cool. Mm -hmm. And thanks to people like you and Stefan Levera and Marty Bent and Peter McCormick, I've learned so much just from these podcasts. It's incredible. I feel like I have a university degree in Bitcoin, all from the generosity of people like you and the podcasters. Thank you. I, it's the same for me. I also listen to a lot of these other shows um, and also learn all the time. When did you hear about Bitcoin the first time? The first time was 2012. I was at the World Tea Expo in Las Vegas because I, I had this crazy idea to start a tea farm. And I was growing Japanese tea here in Hawaii. And I met this really cool woman, Elise Peterson, who started a company called Tealet. That's T-E-E-A-L-E-T. -E -E and her concept was to connect small tea growers direct to consumer. And Bitcoin was the payment method. Oh, wow. So it's a really cool. I was thinking you might want to talk to Elise, too, because what a fantastic idea. Now, remember, this is 2012, a long time ago. And I remember looking up Bitcoin because I didn't know what it was. 
and it just seemed like this this weird network and this these numbers and it's sort of like scams you know <laughs> like these weird scams and hacks and dark money so i was like i don't know this this is this is too weird that was my first exposure to bitcoin and i didn't do anything i walked away and it wasn't until just about a year ago less than a year ago that a facebook friend of mine on the big island which is a different island he just posted on facebook oh bitcoin dropped to 8000 something it would be a good time to get in now for those of you who are interested, I was like, oh, Bitcoin, you know, what? So I, I kind of took a second look and I thought I really owe it to myself to find out what the hell this is. And that's when I, when I dived in and I was going to say, can we give the, can we give the rabbit a break? Let's pick a different hole, like a gopher hole or <laughs> a mole hole, you know, like, but I went down, I went down, whatever that hole was. And it was really cool. What do you think can Bitcoin accomplish that is important to your personal values in a way? So what's the most important characteristic of Bitcoin for you? Yeah, that's, I think that's important for all of us to figure out. To me, it, it just, it's truth. It's verifiable truth. It's there. You know, my first Bitcoin withdrawal, let's say I bought my first Bitcoin on Cash App and I withdrew to my hardware wallet. I can go and see that transfer now and, and you could, everybody could. It's there. And oh, in terms of ethics, you know, the phrase, it's unfuckable. <laughs> you can't screw around with it. It's finite and it's true. And one of the things that I like about Buddhism, for example, is, is that the essence of the Buddhist practice is aware of the reality of your current experience, your lived experience. That's a stretch to go from Buddhism to Bitcoin, but there's the, the truth. So that we have a, a concept in Buddhism called wise speech, which is don't say anything that's not true. And Bitcoin is truth. It just sits there. It's 21 million. And it's the mathematical gospel. There it is. It's there for all to see. So I think that might be my best answer for that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, interesting. So coming back to more the profane things, I mean, I, I'm very interested in talking about these relations uh, to Buddhism and other topics, political views, for instance. Mm -hmm. But first, because I've seen you did some things with Bitcoin already more than many hodlers do. What was your first purchase with Bitcoin, your real life purchase? Okay. Well, that would have to be the cold card. The wallet. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, oh, cool. This is going to be weird. You know, it wasn't weird, actually, but that was my first purchase. Mm -hmm. I have to say it's a little bit scary because you, they're going to get it, but you don't know if they know that it came from you because I haven't really delved into BTC pay server yet. That's sort of my next semester of learning, I would say. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, but you already run a node. Yes. I, I just thought from all the people that I'd heard talk, I realized this is a participatory currency. This is a currency for people. It's for us. And I guess it's kind of that ethos of responsibility. So, hey, you know, get your shit together, run a node, because you can't just expect a company or the government to do it. This is a participatory uh, monetary instrument. And so I felt like I owed my participation. 
And that's why I have a node running. Mm. Mm. Yeah, it's money from the people for the people. And so, yeah, it's good yeah, to participate. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So my next semester is uh, from running a node to using a node. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, I, I have the MyNode software um, stack. And what I like about it is you can just sort of pick a new thing. I, I next want, want to get into Lightning a little bit. So I'm, I'm taking it step by step. Mm. But I do like being able to verify the transaction with, with the Block Explorer. Yeah. Um, and I like checking that mempool.space because I'm cheap. I like cheap fees. So usually on the weekends here, <laughs> the mm -hmm. fees are really cheap. Yeah, it's interesting. It's always on the weekends. Yeah. And yeah. do you also uh, look up the blockchain explorer behind Tor? Yes. I didn't used to, but now I'm being, you know, okay, I'll be a bit more of a privacy nut. Yeah, um, I'm doing this too now since I have the node and I I run a Raspi Blitz. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. So tell me about the other things uh, when you used Bitcoin. Yeah, I have some friends in Uganda who I helped them out a couple of years ago. Actually, this beautiful organization called Youth on Rock, and they are HIV outreach workers and educators, and they work with uh, the sex workers of the, of the worst slums in Kampala. I, I wanted to support them because I thought, wow, those are brave people. This is a country that was trying to pass a law where they, you know, gay people should be executed. So mm. I was inspired by what they were doing. That was a couple of years ago. And more recently, buddies there reached out for a little bit of help. And because COVID happened, I couldn't get to the banks. I couldn't get to the grocery store where the Western Union thing was. So I was like, dude, I'm going to send you Bitcoin. Okay. And I'm going to teach you how to open a, uh, I think he opened a Binance Uganda account. And it was so cool. He was totally game. I just walked him through the steps and he opened an account. He got his wallet. He sent me a screenshot of the QR code. I sent him a little chunk of Bitcoin. Within minutes, it was there. And then I said, okay, now you have to sell it. And he, he was so on it. And within in a couple of hours, he was totally up to speed and he had money to buy food. Mm -hmm. And I just thought, wow, like no intermediary. I, I suppose his exchange is the intermediary in this case. So the exchange made a some money on when he sold his Bitcoin. But the fact that I could get it into his custody um, from Maui, Hawaii to this guy's phone in uh, Uganda was kind of mind-blowing. And in minutes and without anybody being able to interfere with it. Right. And I guess less fees than with Western Union. So much less fees. I think it's 15 or $25 to send, you know, I, I only sent him like 200 bucks or some 200 USD filthy fiat, I guess, as we call it these days. And, uh, but yeah, what did it cost me? Eight cents or something? It was, it was nothing. Mm -hmm. And then I guess he probably paid a little transaction fee on the sell side, but it was just really mm -hmm. cool to get to see the transfer of borderless value. Mm. Very cool. Yeah. And I found another tweet. Uh, I think you also helped someone send Bitcoin to Venezuela. What was that story? Yes. Okay. One of my almost ex-boyfriends who, <laughs> who works at a meditation retreat in Massachusetts and his mother needed some help. 
uh, you know, this is, we're deep in COVID now. Actually, the, the timing of this was nuts. Okay. Remember the big crash? You know, was it March 12th or something when the price crashed, stocks were crashing? It was that crazy day. That's the day that I helped him get funds to his mother. And despite Bitcoin's worst price drop, maybe ever, I don't know what the stats are, but it still worked. He still got the money to his mother's landlord and in seconds. Just incredible. And in that, in that situation, his mother, I think she's around 80 or something. She didn't exactly know her way around the technology, but her landlord who lived down the hall, he actually needed the payment for her rent. So it went right to him and he was totally, he had a Bitcoin wallet. He knew how to do it. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, he, that's what he wanted. I mean, he's like, yeah, here's my address, send it to me and I'll take care of your mother. And it was done. Oh, super. So he already knew the positive sides of Bitcoin compared to Venezuelan currency. Yeah. Again, with no government saying what you can or can't do. And even during the worst price drop, I think what started out as $100 ended up being $85. But still, the fact that it happened instantaneously, uh, and she really needed it. So it we considered it a, a great success. Yeah. And I mean, now it's back to probably 120 US dollars or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Be, it's probably all gone now, but, but still. Yeah. Cool. People need the money to buy food and stuff. So that's a really great use case. Just transfer, just moving value around the planet in seconds. Yeah. And I think and you, you can't do it with any other cryptocurrency that easily and that secure and permissionless. Just to give you an example of something that happened to me today, a real estate deal where you have to wire, wire transfer funds for these real estate deals to close. And the, the bank was on the mainland. So we're very different time zone here in Hawaii, Hawaii obviously than like California or the East Coast. I guess we're six hours difference from the East Coast of the United States. So the bank was like, oh, sorry, you know, the cutoff is 2 p.m. And meanwhile, you have to pay like a, a $45, $45 wire transfer fee. And they're taking down, taking down these complicated codes and names. Absolutely ridiculous. It's complete, I, I feel like screaming at all at the stupidity of this technology that, you know, it's going to take a whole day to get the money moved and for, for a ridiculously high fee. Did you ever pay or get paid for your work or pay for real estate with Bitcoin? No, not yet, but yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. I would not be surprised. Here's another cool thing that, that I liked. Another way of thinking about Bitcoin is if you understand property title, I don't know how it works in Austria, but you sell a piece of property, you get title to the land, which is like ownership plus the house, let's say. And Bitcoin is like title. You get title to that chunk of Bitcoin. And it's exactly the same. Here in the state of Hawaii, when you buy property, it gets registered at the Bureau of Conveyances. And that's like the blockchain. So the Bureau of Conveyances records all the deeds. Like this person sold this property to this person. It gets recorded. And that's exactly what Bitcoin does. You move your chunk of Bitcoin from you to that person, it gets recorded. And now that person has title to that Bitcoin and that person can send it to someone else. So it's exactly the same, 
model of transfer and of recording as real estate. So pretty interesting. Yeah, that's a pretty good similarity uh, because you could also say the world has limited space and there is only a limited number of real estate uh, properties, let's say it that way. Yeah, yeah. And on, on the other hand, we only have 21 million of Bitcoin. So it's also limited in the same way as the space on earth is limited for real estate. Exactly. And I think somebody once, once when I was very early on, they called the act of buying Bitcoin like a land grab, you mm. know, which, which means like, oh, there's only so much land. So grab some while you can, you know, <laughs> yeah. and it is, it's very similar. It's like, yeah, there's 21 million pieces of land and you can subdivide those 21 million by a lot more than what is it? A hundred million each anyway, but it's a good analogy for sure. Talking about analogies, you're a gay guy. I'm a lesbian woman. <laughs> <laughs> you proposed, you proposed a topic when we prepared for this uh, interview. I sure and, did. Yeah. And you said discovering Bitcoin is like an analogy to coming out of the closet. Tell me more about that. Yes, because let me try to paint a picture. So we all grow up thinking money is money and we don't really question it. But there's a presumption that you use money, you don't question it. Here's your money, okay? Then when you discover Bitcoin, you, you kind of go, well, wait a minute. And then you learn and you essentially go, wait a second, money is, is not working. And Bitcoin becomes the thing that you discover is the real truth. And back to my obsession with truth, Bitcoin is like the truth of money. And, and this money that everyone's talking about, this fiat, is not really true. Why that's similar to coming out of the closet is I'm in my 50s. So I grew up in a world that had this presumption of heterosexuality. Okay. Pretty much every you know movie you watched, every magazine you read, It was like you're in this weird world where that's just how it is. You don't question it, right? You get married to a woman, blah, blah, blah. But then your body is like, no, it, it, my body's not working like that. It's, and, and that's like a really beautiful gift as far as I'm concerned, because your body forces you to question the dominant narrative. And you say, but, but I, that's not who I am. That's not my truth. My truth is this. And so, I don't know, is that, is that working? I feel like... Um, I, I understand that completely. I can totally relate to that. Yeah. Because I'm, I'm quite your age. I'm 50. When I grew up, I didn't know the word lesbian until I was 20. Wow. You know? So yeah. yeah, exactly. So I lived in this world. I did never know that this is a, a possible way to live. Right. And nobody, nobody was talking about it. And I also had relationships with men, of course, because you, you don't see anything else. You think that's the way it is. And yeah. that's the same, same with money. I mean, up until Bitcoin, I never looked into how money is created and comes into the world. I didn't know. And right. so Bitcoin, Bitcoin opened my eyes and it's a new, I mean, being, I'm, I'm, I identify myself as a Bitcoiner. So, in a way, it's also an identity, part of identity for a time, maybe also just for a limited time, but maybe also for a complete life, you know, because 
I, I do believe in my case also like having the freedom to not do things or being self-employed is a part of my identity. And so Bitcoin was fitting into this place in, into my, my world, you know, and yeah. also with, with coming out of the closet, I completely understand it. And maybe, uh, Bitcoiners who, who are not queer in the majority of people who are heterosexuals, maybe they now can have a little empathy for the way how we feel. Yeah, because if, if you're a Bitcoiner, you're a weird person for everybody, yes. you know? Yeah. You're, you're like, what, what are you? What are you kind of a nerd? What do you want? What, why do you say we don't, the state should be away in a way? What do you want? Why do I need to keep my keys secure for myself? I'm going to the bank and you're right. like this weirdo and you're always talking with people who don't understand what you're talking about. And basically it's the same when you want to explain to people how life feels as a gay, queer, trans person. Exactly. And I feel yeah. like I've, I've, I'm being, I've, I'm coming out of the closet all over again as a, as a Bitcoiner. It's like, whoa, like that freedom you felt when you finally came out as a gay person. And now I'm like, like, no, you guys have to buy Bitcoin. Like that, like this is, the, <laughs> this is, you're going to feel free. It's going to set you free. <laughs> and you know, yeah. the U S dollar is, is such a scam. Well, that's the irony. It is a scam kind of, you know? Yeah, I mean, it's a popular scam, scam, but it's a scam. It is, and and for gay people, heterosexuality is a scam. It just doesn't work in our bodies. <laughs> well, I love heterosexuality. I mean, because heteros produce most of the gay people on the planet, so keep pumping them out. <laughs> but I'm just saying that. Yeah, I, I I like your point, and I think most Bitcoiners, even even if they're they got their hetero pride on, I think they they are totally fine with, with gay people because, you know, gay sex is as libertarian as it gets. I mean, a man, <laughs> a man having sex with a man or a woman having sex with a woman, that's like, like full on libertarianism right there because it's what you want to do. Both of you want to do it and, and everyone else can buzz off. It's none of their business. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, uh, that's what you mean. Okay, I understand now what you mean. Yeah, exactly. It's as long as other people are not hurt by what I'm doing, then it's none of their business, and it's yeah, none of yeah. my business. It's none of my business what uh, heterosexuals do. You know, they. Yeah. I mean, they can live as free as they want as long as they don't interfere with my freedom. And yeah. that, actually, actually, I think this is all what gay uh, people or queer people want from the world. Because yeah. often, often people tell me, why are you so like, how's the word in English? So, so strong about this opinion. Yeah. I mean, mm -hmm. you can do, you can marry now. So everything is fine. No, it's not. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, as it's long not as, all done. Yeah. Yeah. As long as there are things like correction rape in South Africa, where oh. lesbian women are raped to be hetero again, as long as there are things like that, it's not okay. It's definitely not okay. And I'm no expert on libertarianism, so I'm, I'm sure people will correct me on this, but you know, it's, it's sort of like, like my body is my natural instrument of life on the planet and it's mine to use in the way that I see fit. And when I meet another person with a body and we want to do stuff, do stuff with our bodies, then good. That's our, that's our, that's our liberty and our birthright. Hmm. But you're right, you're right, is that it gets tricky when governments want to pass laws that call for the execution of people that want to use their bodies in certain ways. Yeah. 
So it's pretty... There's and also, I, when I was in Zimbabwe, when Robert Mugabe still was the dictator running the country, he once said that homosexuals are like pigs. And yeah, so it's actually also not really funny to live in a country where you are compared to a pig just because you do what you want and you are not uh, part of the majority. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, yeah, it's it's weird. The other thing I always mention to people, I mean, most people in the, in the Western world get it, get homosexuality and get that it's, you know, that's the way we are. But well, people sometimes call it sexual orientation in English, but it's also like who you fall in love with, you know, mm. Mm. It's, it's like, it's weird. It's hard to describe, but when you fall madly in love with someone, it's unstoppable, you know? Mm. It's just, it's like, how could it, how could it be wrong? It's so, it's so powerful. Mm. So. Yeah. Can you tell I have so, a, a new boyfriend? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I, I heard after a long time. <laughs> yeah. It's been a long time. There's not, not too many single people on Maui. So. Oh yeah. That must be hard. I mean, it's even hard here in Austria because, you know, as you know, I'm, I, I've split up two months ago, so I'm back. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> um, market. But yeah, I'm back on the market. But actually, I'm in love with Bitcoin and the work I do. So <laughs> uh, basically, Bitcoin saved my mental health in a way now because I mean, I'm sad that the partnership didn't work out. But mm. on the, the other hand, I have my work and I, I really, I never in my life, I always was looking for, for, I think it's called ikigai. There's a thing like ikigai is the thing that you found that you are living for, you're interested in, it feeds yourself, it makes you creative and stuff. And I think Bitcoin is the thing for me. So Bitcoin has saved me now at the moment. Yeah. Uh, and, and also there's kind of an optimism in me that in all the crisis we have now, that Bitcoin is the way to go in a way. It gives me hope. Do you also have that? Yeah, it's it's very, and I know a lot of the podcasters have been sort of touching on it, on it but it, it gives, it's it's like this whole new chapter in in a way of being. And I do like some of the, the ethical changes or ideological changes that one tends to feel when you dive into, into the Bitcoin space, things like responsibility and not, not entrusting you know, third parties or governments. I, I, I like, I like that aspect of, of encouraging humans to take responsibility for their situations in a, in a self-sovereign way, but also in a community way. I think, I think at the community level where you live and helping people around you is really the best, best way to offer that kind of help. And the other thing, sort of a different topic, I'm, I'm sort of running in a different direction, but the fact that you can that bitcoin can allow person to person generosity over the entire planet i think that's an incredible thing so that you're taking you know these charitable organizations out of the middle and you're just saying i've i feel like being generous here's somebody who needs something in 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 10 minutes they have it and it's going right there i think that's amazing mm -hmm. Yeah, that's really great because you also don't need these organizations anymore, which also need money to run. And so the funds go directly to the person and you don't lose anything on that way. Exactly. Yeah. Mm. 
That, that's the decentralized nature of it, which is so interesting. And, and it makes me wonder how many other things that we rely on could benefit from decentralization. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, not just the monetary thing, but perhaps governments can be, you know, replaced by artificial intelligences that are decentralized and accomplish a lot more. Who knows? Yeah, it's, in a way, I think that's the way to go in a way, but we, it will take a long time, I think, <laughs> until we're there. But I think to to take out corruption or um, people tend to, if their power gets uh, too big, then they tend to get corrupt or to be yeah. too powerful. And maybe there is a place for some in some parts more decentralized governance that's mathematical bound rules without rulers as andreas antonopoulos said yeah (laughs) let the algorithm be the rule and let it be consensus created that's kind of beautiful how have your political views shifted since becoming infused with bitcoin yes well wow what a loaded question that is I think the biggest gift that I've realized is that politics is not the solution to anything. I think that's what I'm getting. I think that these systems are rigged, the money's rigged, and here's what I love what I love noticing. There are people in the world, I have to use Elon Musk cuz he's just so awesome. You know, there are people in the world creating value and doing amazing things. And they're not wasting their time in political arguments, okay? And the metaphor I used is like uh, General Motors and Chrysler arguing over a shitty car design while Elon Musk is looking a totally different way and like, no, here's a cyber truck, you know? It's like for the U.S. politics, let's say, because that's what's prominent here, obviously, Republican or Democrat, whatever. It's they're both funky systems. And so to me, the Bitcoin is like the Elon Musk, where you know, Bitcoin is off here creating truth and unfuckability and you know, <laughs> strong economic store of value. And it's really a stretch. And I'm not I'm not well educated enough to really comment on how Bitcoin could displace politics entirely. But to get back to your original question, I don't have much interest in politics anymore because I think it's all, it's an energy drain. It's a psychic drain. And with the exception of local politics, I think helping your local community again, yeah, that sounds cheesy, but, you know, go out. I have a friend who's just, she's out there helping the homeless people. It's all she does all day long is assist those in need. And that's great. She doesn't need a government. She doesn't need, you know, does that answer your question? Politics is not interesting to me. Bitcoin is interesting to me. I completely understand. I stopped watching the news (laughs) uh, because it's really dreadful, you know, every day, every day it's the same and they are fighting each other and yeah. And there's, there's bullshit all around. It's spin and it's agenda. And mm-hmm. yeah, the mainstream media just shoves this one single narrative down everyone's throat. 
Nobody thinks for themselves. Nobody verifies. Nothing gets verified. It drives me nuts. People read headlines. Nothing gets verified. They jump to conclusions and they create these firmly established beliefs based on total lies. Hmm. And it's crazy making. It's absolute crazy making. It's hard to find the truth. Yeah. Yeah. So we're back again at the truth. <laughs> Verify, don't trust. Yeah, exactly. Verify your news stories before you fucking post it. Sorry. Mm. For yeah, that's true. Yeah. Yeah. I also pointed out that you had a big Bitcoin epiphany. What is it? That was, it, it seems simple. Well, it's, well, I'll just tell you what it was. I was walking by myself. Um, walking along a harbor, looking at some boats, listening to some birds. And it just popped into my head that Bitcoin is more real than U.S. dollars. Like it's the, it's like a switch occurred because usually people think, oh, Bitcoin's virtual. It's digital. It doesn't really exist. It's not tangible. And on this walk, because of the verifiability of Bitcoin and the fact that you own title to your Bitcoin, it was suddenly like, oh, my God. It is real. It's more real than the U.S. dollar, which you can't verify the dollar that you have. You don't know where it came from. You don't know if it's real. You don't know if it was just a ledger number created by the Fed. And and it's like my whole world just clicked. Bitcoin is more real than U.S. dollars. It's like mind-blowing because it is, it is math. It is virtual. But math is real. Numbers are real. And it was an important understanding for me to have, especially in my ability to sell, well, sell, to bring others on board. Yeah, and to, it's completely auditable. I mean, yeah. and, 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 and provable, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and there's nothing to audit with your, with your U.S. dollars or your euros. Or I mean, you can't trace where, where it was born. It's so cool that you can trace where, where your, your Bitcoin was born. <laughs> yeah. No, I think theoretically you could just go back to the block where where it was originated as a block subsidy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. So, so that's a funny analogy, like having a little baby Bitcoin growing up <laughs> and getting out into the world from the miner, yeah. which is like the hospital where it's born. <laughs> right. It's like, oh, on this 10-minute chunk of the day, these, I guess, what would it have been, 25 Bitcoin were born or 50, 50 yeah. or Yeah, my birthday. So every Bitcoin has a birthday. <laughs> yes, depending on the having. Was it born with 49 other babies or 24 other babies or now, you know? Yeah, sisters and brothers. Eleven and a half, yeah. <laughs> okay. So, Liam, we're coming to an end soon. and. Uh-huh. Oh, uh-huh. <laughs> I think there's going to be a second part someday. Okay. One of my new questions is one I stole from Tim Ferriss. What would you put on an ad that is published on all social media platforms? A short message for everybody to see. What do you want the world to know? Be kind. Oh, that's great. Be kind. You can always be kind, even if you can't stand someone or something. I know I talked to you a little bit about ignorance. And people use ignorance as a nasty word, like, oh, that person's so ignorant. It just means that they don't know yet. Like back to the babies, you wouldn't say a baby's ignorant because it doesn't know how to speak. It just hasn't learned yet. Hmm. So I guess it would be 
cool for people. If you meet somebody and you're like, God, this person's so ignorant. Think of it, maybe reframe it as this person doesn't know yet. They're prior to having knowledge. Because I was, I was ignorant of Bitcoin a year ago. I, I was mm. prior to having the knowledge, but now I have the knowledge. So, you know, be kind. Everybody's doing the best they can. Mm. Also, people who are not into Bitcoin yet, we should be kind to them. Yes, they're, they're pre-coiners. They just don't know yet. Exactly. <laughs> but they will. They will soon enough. I can, mm. I can tell you that. What do you think is everybody overlooking while talking about Bitcoin? I don't know if the, one of the, the things that's still a mystery to me is the mining world. And I, I sometimes worry. I only worry because I'm ignorant. Okay. I'm pre-knowledge. I don't know how mining works, but I do acknowledge that the strength and the security of the whole thing, you know, the miners play a big role in that. And I know there are people much smarter than I am that are already working on that, but I guess I would hate to see mining get centralized or controlled, mm -hmm. but maybe, maybe I'll discover something next week that's being overlooked. That's what's so cool about this world. I feel like I'm discovering new aspects all the time. Mm. I mean, when you got into Bitcoin, how did you teach yourself? How did you know that this website or this person who is telling something about Bitcoin tells the truth? I think you see a lot. You know, I started with Andreas, who I, mm. whom I love. He's just so awesome. I love, he's such a great speaker. And then I graduated to Peter McCormick. And then I graduated to Marty Bent and then Stefan Levera. And I just think it's so cool. I feel like you get a sense of what's true through repetition and re-evaluation and doing your own verification, you know? If Andreas says something that sounds cool, I'll do my best to, to verify it and have it and find other examples of that theory, you know, echoed by somebody else. And I think mm. it's a great intellectual pursuit, honestly, Bitcoin. Yes, I agree totally. Yeah. Okay, thanks. Have we missed anything that you want to say to our listeners? I guess I said be kind and then, oh yeah, Build cool architecture. Mm -hmm. Don't don't build boring buildings. Please. Build things yeah. that are as cool as Bitcoin. <laughs> Great. Yeah. <laughs> that's what I that's what I would want to say. And maybe build stuff and not only talk about what is bad or what should be done. Good point. Yes. Get out there and build something. Yeah. Build products, build services, build value. Super Liam, please. Tell our listeners where they can follow you, the, the only Bitcoin real estate broker in <laughs> Hawaii. I would say just find me on Twitter at Modern on Maui. And my, my blog is, is a fun place to look at cool houses. It's modernonmaui.com. Yes, great. I will put that in the show notes. Yeah. And thank you so much, Anita. It's really fun chatting with you. And I appreciate all the work that you do getting this content out there. I thank you very much. Thanks. Have a good evening. And I get to say tschüss, right? Tschüss. Yeah, tschüss. tschüss exactly. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Bye. 
That's it for today. If you like my show, please share it with your friends and hit the subscribe button in your podcast player now. Thanks to my sponsors who make it possible that I can produce the show. Localbitcoins.com, Shift Crypto with the Bitbox O2 and Coinfinity with their card wallet. Music. Start with yes, delicate beats. Idea, content and production. Yours truly, Anita Posch. <laughs>